God Almighty, we come before you on this Palm Sunday in our homes and uncertain of what the days ahead of us look like. But as I sit in this empty sanctuary, our hope is in the empty tomb, knowing that you rose from the dead. So even as we decide today to follow the Christian calendar and look at your triumphal entry on Palm Sunday, I pray, Lord, that you would be triumphant in our hearts, triumphant over our fears and over our concerns and depression and discouragement. Uh, over sickness in our homes, um, over idolatry in our idleness. Lord, we submit ourselves to you and to your word right now, and we ask that your word would would work like we know it does, as a sharper than any two-edged sword, and it would cut like a surgeon where it needs to in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Today is Palm Sunday, and even though there's not necessarily a uh, biblical principle that says we have to celebrate Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday, uh, we enjoy at Redemption Church kind of following the Christian calendar and some of these days like Palm Sunday and Resurrection Sunday and Advent season. And we, we like to take those moments as the culture starts to take a glance at uh, a part of the life of Jesus, we love to see if we can't look a little further and deeper into God's Word and see what it says in those cultural moments. And um, Palm Sunday is one of those moments that is it's the culmination of great anticipation. You have to understand the Jewish people have been waiting for a Messiah for over 400 years of silence in the intertestamental period. and They've just been waiting for God to send another Messiah like he prophesied he would, similar to Moses. And there were so many ideas of what that would look like. Most thought that the new Messiah, the new Moses, would be a military socio-political leader much like Moses was. When Moses came in, there was battle and there was victory over the Egyptians. And so in their mind, this would be very much the same thing when the Messiah would come. And so on this day, it's towards Passover and it's part of a pilgrimage festival. And in this pilgrimage festival, these these festivities would end as they would come into town by walking into town together. Uh, but today, Jesus does something a little different than that, and it references a prophecy, as we'll see. Um, and so I want to look at Luke chapter 19, verses 28 through 44. Fairly lengthy passage for today, but as we look at that triumphal entry and what Jesus does, I think we'll see some interesting things that we can look as we look in great anticipation of being freed from quarantine, in great anticipation of being able to just embrace each other again. I can't wait for it to be more socially acceptable for me to bear hug a stranger than it is right now. Not that it's ever great to do that, but I, I love a good bear hug, and I am hug-deprived at the moment, and so... I have great anticipation, but just like our anticipation of all of this kind of stuff ending and this room no longer that I sit in right now no longer being empty, uh, it may not play out exactly the way that we think it's going to, um, just like for these guys. So let's look at the passage real quick. I'm going to read the whole thing, and then we're going to come back and kind of dive through some pieces of some sections in it. 
Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 28, going through verse 44. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, and he sent two disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied on on which to one has never has one on which no one has ever set. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why are you untying it, you shall say this: The Lord has need of it. So those who were sent away and found it. Just, so those who were sent away went away and found it just as he told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, "Why are you untying the colt?" And they said, "The Lord." Has need of it, and they brought to they brought it to Jesus, and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they sat Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks along the road. As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, "Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest." And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered them, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And when he drew near and saw the city, he went over, he wept over it, saying, Would that you would that even you had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes, for the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you, because you did not know the time of your visitation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to him. Let's pray. Again, Lord, we ask you that you would use your word in a mighty way in us. Lord, that it would convict us where we need to be convicted. It would afflict us where we are too comfortable, but it would comfort us where we have been afflicted. We submit ourselves now to, the Holy, to your Holy Spirit as, it's, as you speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so some things to look at here as we dive into some sections. One of the main things I want us to see, the the main idea for our Bible study group material, which you can download on our Worship at Home website, uh, and I would encourage you to download that. Not just download that, but we have uh, three online Bible study group options for you while we're quarantined and told to stay safer at home. Uh, that they're on Zoom, which I know may be a little complicated for some, but man, I would really encourage you to participate in those. Have your camera on. You can see each other. Uh, It's as close as we're going to get now to having a really good Bible study group time all together. And so we've had some of those already. They've gone really well. And I've, I have I sat in all three of them. And it was just an encouragement to see everybody's faces and hear from everybody. And so get that. But the, the main idea sentence out of the Bible study group material is that we must be certain we are worshiping Jesus for who he really is, not who we want him to be. 
As we see in this story, Jesus is not going to play out exactly the way anybody else in this story sees it. You kind of see that there's, there's this great crowd of disciples that are super excited and, and they're so glad that the Messiah is there. But again, they have a different mentality maybe of what that Messiah will do um, than, than what he's going to actually do. What he does is way better. It, it may not meet as many of the immediate needs as they wanted it to, but it's way better. But then you also have the, the critics, the Pharisees. And so you have the crowd and then you have the critics. And those critics are saying, hey, teacher, rabbi, why don't you rebuke your disciples and tell them that you're not who they say you are. And he, he weeps. He weeps over that and over the fact that Israel misses him. The, the people of God, the religious leaders, they miss God in their midst. In their midst. And so I don't want us to miss him. I don't want us to miss him right now while you're staying safer at home, while you're quarantined, while you're blocked off, whatever you lock down, however you want to title this, don't waste it. I've been saying that since the first Sunday we started this. Don't waste this time. Uh, God is in the midst of us, and Jesus is still on his throne. I, I feel an amen on that one. Jesus is still on his throne. Nothing's changed. He still is the king, and we still serve the king. And so don't waste this time that God has given you. So let's look at the first uh, section there, Luke chapter 19, verses 28 through 34. Kind of this initial part, I'll summarize some of it. Uh, Sorry, but, I'm having trouble. Uh, but we see that Jesus says uh, to the disciples, hey, go and get me a colt which has not uh, been uh, ridden. And so he says you're going to find it in the city, and when you do... Uh, you just grab it, and when somebody asks you, hey, what are you doing, say, well, the Lord needed it, which I've always thought was just a fascinating part of the story, um, that uh, that it worked. Of course it worked, because Jesus said to do it. And so, but here's, here's what's the cool part, is that this whole thing's about Jesus, but they get to play a part. Our whole thing, the whole thing we're doing, making much of Jesus like it says on our shirts, but we get to play a part. Jesus is the part that gets made much of. But we get to play the part, just like the disciples who go and get the colt and bring him. And they lay down everything to bring him into town. And so, but then if you look um, at verses 34, and then kind of a transition in the next section, 35, um, and, and, and on from there. Let's go from 34. It says, and they said, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus, throwing their cloaks on the colt, and they set Jesus on it. So they get to play this part of, of presenting Jesus like we talked about last week. Andrew gets to play the part of bringing Peter to Jesus. They get to play the part of bringing Jesus to the crowd, um, which is another way we can do it. We, we call people to come and see Jesus in our lives, come and see Jesus at church with us, but we should also bring Jesus out into the crowd like the disciples get to here. But then you keep reading, and in verse 36, and he and, and as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. Verse 37, as he was drawing near, already on the way down the mountain of olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Um, Jesus is the king coming, and this is the coming of a kingdom. This is a reference back to Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, which prophesies that he would come 
on an unridden colt or donkey and and it's this point in the passover there's so much beautiful significance i don't have time because i'm trying to keep these sermons shorter for you uh and so i don't have time to go into it but there's so much beauty here uh for you to see uh but know that the disciples played a part he is the coming king the prophesied king as we see in zechariah chapter 9 verse 9 um but as we keep going then it says in verse 39 and some of the pharisees in the crowd said to him teacher rebuke your disciples and he answered i tell you if these were silent the very stones would cry out Mm. immediately the critics come against jesus the crowd and the critics like i said didn't get it they missed it jesus is not going to fit perfectly into our box and into our moment But what we do need to understand is that he is the king, and he does still sit on his throne. As a matter of fact, 1 Corinthians 15, 25 says, uh, For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. See, they wanted him to overthrow Rome and and elevate God's people, the chosen people, the Israelites there in the Roman Empire, and be able to be in and have Israel to themselves without the Romans. Um, that was such a small ask compared to the, the, the heavenly kingdom that God brings, the kingdom of God that, that, that is brought in through Jesus Christ. And so in 1 Corinthians 15, it says that he will reign at the right hand of the Father. As a matter of fact, in Colossians 3.1, it says that he's seated at the right hand of God. In Ephesians 1.20, it says that we are being built into the temple, into the church ourselves. We are part of being built into the temple, and Jesus is the cornerstone. Jesus is the king, and he still sits on his throne. Even in the midst of this pandemic, even in the midst of everything going on in our culture, and our world right now, Jesus still sits on his throne. Amen? And I, th- I find so much comfort in that, knowing that he's not surprised, he's not shocked, he's not taken aback in any way, but that he, the king still sits on the throne. And then you keep going in verse 41, and it gets interesting here. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that, would that you, even you, had known on this day things that the things that make for peace but now they are hidden from your eyes that would that you uh, really could be translated um if you only knew it makes me think back to some things we've talked about here recently in the book of habakkuk where god tells habakkuk uh what i'm doing uh you you could never even understand and and it was things that seemed like really bad things to habakkuk uh, that the Babylonians would come in. And, and very similar here, Jesus is telling them, um, listen, you you want so bad for the Messiah to come and just protect your little kingdom here. Look, it's going to be less than 40 years from this point that we see the destruction of Jerusalem. Less than 40 years from this point, we're going to see the destruction of Jerusalem. And so he's telling you that the things of this earth are not where we put our investment. And because they were so short-sighted, they missed the king himself, God himself, right there in their midst. Um, He says, 
He says, For now the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you, surround you, and hem you in on every side, tear you down to the ground, and your children within you, and they will leave, not leave one stone upon another in you, because you did not know the time of your visitation. Because you missed it. And you put everything, you put everything into what you could see and, and hear and, and smell and, and feel. And, and, and you, you put everything off of your senses. And we do the same thing, don't we? And listen, I, I don't know how long this pandemic's going to last. I don't know how long we're going to be in lockdown. I don't know how long all this will happen. I don't know how many people are going to die. I don't know that it's going to get a lot better before it gets worse before it gets better. I don't know how it's going to play out. How confusing I just said that. But I know this. I know Jesus is on his throne. I know he's up to something that we may not even understand. And I find a lot of hope in that, even knowing that sometimes those things that God is up to are not what I would want him to be up to. Like, he doesn't play it out the way I want him to. I, I try to fit God into a box sometimes, and he just doesn't fit there. And I think it's appropriate for us to think through what it means to lament. What does it mean to lament the fact that we can't gather as a body right now? I lament it. I'll be honest. I'm sitting here in this empty sanctuary and recording this because I wanted, I wanted to even emphasize that idea of what it means to be lamenting. And I'm looking around and I'm seeing the emptiness of this. And it's been weeks since we've gotten to sit in here together. And it will be weeks until we get to sit in here together again. And I... I don't want to, in the middle of that, be so focused on how I define God that I, I miss what he's doing in my life right now. I've had some really sweet pastoral moments with some of you over the phone, over Zoom, um, getting to sing happy birthday to Juanita at her house, all six feet apart and standing in the front yard. Um, some moments that have been great that God's doing some neat things. There's some hard things happening too, though. Um, I know a lot of our members are dealing with sickness or uh, cancer diagnosis and uh, job situations and all sorts of things. I don't know exactly what God's up to. I, I honestly don't. But I know he's on his throne, and I don't want to miss what he's doing. And so as we look with great anticipation, let's not miss what Jesus is doing. Let's lean towards mercy. Because God here as he stands in the midst of these religious leaders, does not berate them. He doesn't just call them idiots for not, miss, for not catching him. He weeps. He leans towards mercy. Let's today not lean towards arrogance or frustration, but let's lead towards mercy. I want to read a quote to you. I've got it on my phone here. Um, I saw... Uh, someone post a, this quote from a book uh, recently, and I want to read it to you. The name of the book is Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. And it's talking about lamenting and what it means to lament and the power of yet. That word yet. Everybody say yet. Uh, there, there's power in that word for us as well. Because the king came, but the king is also going to return. He's also going to return. And so listen to this as we think about lamenting right now. In, in Dark Clouds and Deep Mercy, it says this, In my study of lament, I've come to love the word yet. It marks the place in the journey where pain and belief 
coexist. It is how we gain the confidence to ask boldly despite the sorrow and grief we feel, yet means that I choose to keep asking God for help, to cry out to him for my needs, even when the pain of life is raw, yet reminds us that sorrow doesn't have to yield before we ask God for help. Part of the grace of lament is the way it invites us to pray boldly, even when we are bruised badly. Church, this room is empty, and we don't get to gather this Sunday yet. We don't know how long. There's so many things I know we're waiting for. You haven't gotten a new job yet. You don't know what God's going to be doing through that cancer yet. Because the beauty of all of this is all of this is temporary. And if we'll just keep our eyes on the kingdom, if we'll heed the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, but pursue first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then we won't miss the king when he's in our midst. So let's, let's let the world around us fade away a little bit. Take these moments that God has given you and focus on the kingdom that he has given us. Let's pray. God, I'm asking you to bring great comfort to our church. Lord, as we live in the already not yet of your kingdom, let us live it out for our neighbors, our family, for the city. Lord, when, when the world looks for hope, let them find it in you through your church. Let us be a shining light in the midst of all the darkness in this world right now. We don't know what you're doing yet. We are asking you, God, to bring a great vaccine, to heal this, to, to flatten the curve, to let us open the doors again to our homes and our lives and to others, and make much of you with our lives. It's in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. I love you guys so much. If you... Um, if you don't know what it means to be a child of God, there's really honestly nothing more I would rather talk to you about. And, and so on this Worship at Home website, if, if you are on YouTube or Facebook, you can find that link, uh, Worship at Home, on our website, redemptionjacks.church. Just click Worship at Home, and if you'll scroll down, there is a, a form where you can show us uh, how we can pray for you, how we can serve you. You can give us your contact information and let us know how we can be a light shining into your darkness. We would love to hear from you.